0: Welcome to the show, Rick. Uh, to kick us off, I always like to ask this what's on your what's on your painting table at the moment.
1: What's on my painting table? Goodness me. I've always got stacks of stuff going actually. I haven't really stopped painting since I got back into this hobby. And um, yeah, just constantly going. I just finished off some mom miniatures, like some actually a bunch of fleeing like human models, which are pretty, pretty interesting. I'm just gonna use them for some kind of. Like they're running, like, away. running away, yeah, they're like, oh, right. they're, like no. they're like scared and running. They're really interested. in the break test, yeah, basically. so I've got those guys. I've just finished those guys What I'm doing next is some it's some a mixture of some shield wolf miniatures, uh, like forest goblins, um and also some some three d printed resin ones. Um I didn't I don't have a three d printer, but I paid some some other guys to print them for me. Um they did a great job, so I'm pretty cool, pretty happy with those. And so I'm mixing them up and kind of making a forest goblin archer unit maybe a few few, a few throwing weapons it's easy to say that um so yeah it's it's a bit of a
0: modeling bash at the moment and then eventually painting obviously so that's what i got going Aye, busy stuff um so you you mentioned there you alluded to since you got back into hobby so that means you left so talk us through that like talk us through the the ebbs and flows of your
1: this is how I found I found your blog actually quite I don't know how I found it but I found it quite a long time ago very soon after you started it I think actually because my it, it really like resonated with me because your your story is so similar to mine and I think we're probably around the same kind of era maybe I'm a little bit before you with the gaming thing but I, I first got into this sort of miniatures gaming in about 1988 ish. I was about twelve, so I've just aged myself there, but never mind. I won't do the maths on that one. Um, But yeah, it was. uh, So I was a kid, and I I remember seeing sort of white dwarf on a on like a friend had it on a on a bus to school or something, and I was like, "What's this? What's this? Looks cool." And I was just kind of getting out of like toys and all that kind of stuff, and got a bit straight, got into this. It just felt so obviously like the next extension of things that I'd already kind of liked. Like, I kind of liked gaming, but I'd never seen this kind of gaming. And then the painting and everything, I was, you know, quite into sort of art art and things like that as a kid. So it just suited me really, really well. Um, but then, as usual, I kind of got to, most people kind of got to university and things, and I got out of it. So, yeah, so I had a good few years then. Um, and I, I, back then, I only really played games, workshop games, like my, most kids, I guess. That was, like, my introduction to it all. But I was fortunate, like, because it was, like, the only eighties, I guess it was even White Dwarf covered other games back then. So it wasn't like I was always very aware of lots of other stuff. Like I played lots of role-playing games and things like that. I some D D and some Paul Cthulhu and, you know, some other board games. And so I was kind of fortunate that although I was quite keen on GW at the time, I already had like a lot of awareness of other game systems that I've found like especially a lot of people get into it. They they don't get that unfortunately these days sometimes. Um so then I got out of it. I jumped back. This is my third time around, actually. So that was my first time. My second time around was about 2005-ish. And it was going kind to of the end of Warhammer Fantasy Battle 6th edition and the start of 7th. And I got into it for like a year or two then. Um, I basically had a bit, I found like a bit of space in my life to kind of do some painting and things. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll pick that up again. Um, but it didn't really last like kind of the models uh, the rules really I kind of enjoyed the painting a bit but the the rules and things the systems at the time really disappointed me um and yeah I just quickly grew away from it I guess and just didn't have the space and life things changed and yeah I didn't really stick around for long um and then yeah 2019 was my big big return the start of the year and and I realized you know I had again it was to do with time and space really I had like a I'm not one of those people like some of my friends are really good at being flexible and they seem to manage to paint miniatures and just do it ad hoc and they just sort of bust out some paints and they're just sat on the dining table or whatever. I I can't I can't do that. Like I find I need to have a dedicated hobby area to get into this stuff. So whenever I've got an hour free, I can just go and do it. I don't have to, you know, find the paints, find the models, get a cup of water, like get some paint. Like it's all just there sat for me, ready for when I want to when I've got some time and that suits me great so yeah basically I had, I had a room free in my house to do set all this stuff up um and i'd like redid the room and things and there. so i kind of got my little uh hobby corner basically and that kind of set me up and then um, and i thought yeah well especially the painting was what got me back into it i think more than anything because previously i'd really been into the gaming side much more um and this time around, I, I, I do a lot of other gaming as well, like video games, things like that. I, you might have seen my blog. I, I do a, <laughs> I've had a site for about fifteen years now called Agonos, where I, it was all about general gaming things. Um, but the thing that made me interested in miniatures gaming specifically was was the models and the miniatures and the painting and the terrain and the boards. And and I thought, you know, if, if I'm going to do this again, like I should really, you know, dedicate and uh, to that side of it. And that's kind of what makes me enthusiastic about it because i wanted something that wasn't digital that wasn't analog you know sorry that was analog wasn't digital um and just you know enjoying that difference from other kinds of gaming you can get you can do obviously like video games and even even i guess board
0: games that don't involve the painting and the creative side what were some of the i mean for me i know that there were Thoughts spinning around in my head—that makes it sound very dramatic. Before I got back into the hobby, you know, I was toying with a couple of wee ideas and angles here and there. So, what what was the thought process? And let's let's deal with the you know the last time you got in because that's that's the time that you've stuck at. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it was. I still had the models, right? I'd, I'd managed to keep them. I had a bunch of them anyway, and I'd always I'd always kind of planned to get back into it one day. It was just. When did I have the time and the space in my life, like physically and mentally and all that kind of thing to do it? So it just felt like, yeah, I've got I've got room to to have another go at this. It never really left me that like interest, I guess. Um, it's just that, yeah, I guess um, that's the main thing. Um and, and um it's 2019 so it was a bit strange because i'd kind of been out of it so i think you've on some of your previous podcasts and guests have said the same thing kind of and you think yourself coming coming back to it and then i was very much into the fantasy side um start, like from my i originally played absolutely everything like this i played sci-fi games and, and fantasy games and everything in between but um the the one my my favorite one went from my previous times in the hobby had always been kind of mass battles fantasy was been my kind of thing that I really enjoyed and that's what I had the most miniatures for as well and the the, the most painted ones particularly <laughs> like I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds of old models that are just in various states of disrepair, um, but yeah like I'd already I'd always kept them all and it was like oh this is this would be great to kind of get back into it and and then yeah and I, once I started painting and I found now that I'm older as well that uh, I really enjoyed that a lot more. I think, I think it's having a lot more patience than when I was a teenager, that's for sure. Um, and I was really kind of, I found I can do projects and I've kind of found ways where, where it works for me, where I like to, like I like to do a unit at a time. So like I was alluding to earlier with what's on my paint table, I kind of get one thing. Sometimes there's a couple of side projects, but I really try and limit that. I'm like, okay, we're doing this unit and we're doing these guys and I won't do anything else until I've done. So that that that's helps me. I know other people like they kind of collect the entire army, and and they build all the models. And I'm like, I, I couldn't do like if I had hundreds and hundreds of models sat in front of me, to all waiting to paint, I, that would just mm-hmm. yeah. That's sort of thing I did when I was a kid, and I know that that will mental I'll just get a mental block if I do that. So mm-hmm. it works much better for me to do like twenty. I think the most models I've ever painted at a go is like forty models. When it's like small goblins and things like that, I can sort of do that. But generally, twenty or less is kind of my batches I like to to work on. Um, yeah, that kind of suits me great.
0: Yeah, I kind of I kind of work in sort of batches of six and seven. Um, I, anything. I, I I make sure the other ones are literally out of sight. You know, they're in a cabinet. Yes, um, I yes. don't like to see. No that I've, I've to be honest I've been quite good when I, I hear other folks and you know what I put it down to I don't I know I've got the Twitter account and stuff but I don't look at any news feeds on social media at all so I don't see kickstarters I don't see new releases and if I did um I dare say I would buy a lot of stuff but I just don't <laughs> see them um so I think that's that's been really good for me. I, I, I'm just able to have a small amount of stuff, and I could go months and months without buying anymore. So, um.
1: I, I've I've been I've not been as good at that as you. I have definitely splurged a bit. The trouble is, you kind of get in a situation like I like I'm doing with these goblins. So I'm kind of kit bashing from about six different kits. So once I've got that idea in my head, it's like well. Okay, now I need, now I've got enough models to make like two hundred goblins or whatever, but I'm actually just gonna make the twenty. But because I want all the parts to kind of mash them up and do conversions and things like that and kit bashes, that that starts to it starts to actually now okay, it actually makes sense for me to buy all these models up front, which I don't I prefer not to do. I tried not to. Kickstarters are a nightmare though, it's a very good point. Um, because then you get really kind of this like the FOMO, you know, like you you don't wanna miss it. Um I have been resisting. So there was sort of lots of miniatures manufacturers that I follow now, to be fair. I do follow them all. <laughs> and like Nightmare Miniatures did a kickstart recently. I was like, oh, I know I want these one day, but you know what? Ah, uh, their stuff's so, brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's really
1: I, good. I, got, I, I won a contest, actually. And, that's, that's, and I got some freebies from them, which was super nice as well. And obviously I bought a few more. <laughs> so Why not? Um, so, yeah, they're, they're beautiful stuff. Um, big hefty metal guys, though. They're, they're not for the... Uh, of heart if you're not used to model like those kind of miniatures but
0: again, yeah going uh,
1: back to my past i'm like i'm not phased. Any- that that's the other thing be, being an adult like i found like i got better and better at the kind of hobbying side of it i know when i was like a <laughs> sort of teenager or whatever like trying to deal with like you know a multi-part metal kit is is really difficult and when you've got to do all the drilling and the pinning and the super gluing and yeah and that where's that kind of thing now it doesn't it doesn't phase me i've got i've got that confidence that i'm I mean, I'm not necessarily going to be the greatest at it, but I know I'm not going to mess it up and think like I've wasted my money or whatever. So,
0: I, I I kind of favour the metal stuff, but I'm just I'm terrified to let other people play with it because I. They 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 chip when you look at them, and I know like I've varnished them and everything, but I'm just I'm so scared to <laughs> to put them on a table with somebody because I'm like, don't touch that. Yeah, uh, that is so. a
1: concern. I've been running get onto something we might talk about. Like, I've I've been running a few demo games, um, and I and I've been letting people like strangers even, well not complete strangers, but you know people I don't know very well, um, like handle and play with my models. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be a little bit. mad. in the mouth. yeah i mean at least um so we're we're going to talk about the night page later but at least in that game because it's like a ranked up units game they're on they're on movement trays so there's kind of a little bit of protection there but then you've got to remove models for casualties and that's when it gets really scary (laughs) it's It's like like, no they've got to pick them up and get knocked over on the thing but um and also though i find it depends what kind of gaming table do you play
0: on it's just a mat, like a mouse. Did they call them call them neoprene? I think it's like a mouse mat type.
1: Yeah, that that was what I. Yeah, I've been previously just been playing on kind of a painted wooden table, and then and then this time around, I discovered these kind of mouse mat style neoprene tabletops, and I thought, okay, this is actually great because that makes me a bit less worried because Aye, they're in, nice in and mid- soft it's a big difference if a model falls onto one of them it's it's not immediately going to break into five pieces if i drop them on my actual on my wood table there's a good chance they're going to get immediately chipped and break whereas yeah the 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 nice soft gaming table that uh, that's yeah trying it out once and i'm like yeah i'm gonna invest in more of those mats now because they're (laughs) really nice. And they're nice to lean on, you know, like when you're when when you when you leaning over the table.
0: Aye. Feels... I get a nice soft sound with the dice rolling and that as well. It's so. surprising mm. how much
1: difference it makes, isn't it? They're quite expensive when because they look cheap when you, on your, mm. if you've looked them and but then you realise that's like the base minimum for like a tiny mat. And then once you choose yeah. the size on most of the websites, you can kind of choose how big you want the mat to be. And once you pick the size of your big table, it's like, actually, this is quite expensive now, but I would recommend them. there. I think they're worth it.
0: I, I, it's such a difference. I mean, compared to the, when we were young, like the, you, you didn't really have access to anything like that. Like I had an upside down Subutio mat. We had a, a tiny pool table in my wee brother's room that we sometimes had small games on. So it just kind of, I used um, to play it do. on
1: top. Yeah, similar to you. I used to have um, some boards that we put down on top of a, it was a, yeah, it was a pool table, like not a full size one. But then, then my 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 brother got into table tennis, so we then we had a table tennis table to put on top of, which was which was perfect, perfect
0: size. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. He didn't like it
1: very much. He's <laughs> like, I want to play table tennis. I'm like, no, sorry, <laughs> mate, <laughs> it's gaming time now. Um, but yeah, I used to, we used to have uh, my friend actually helped me build this. We built like a kind of. Um, on a textured terrain it was using kind of uh, i guess it was like wallpaper texture things and and it, it looked really cool but it was absolutely opposite of playing on top of a, a, a neoprene mat it was actually quite painful because <laughs> it was really lumpy so if you lent you put your hand on that and it would like really hurt if you like lent on it hard um and all your kind of books and stuff got like, like little imprints. It was just, yeah, it was actually a pain to play on. So it's <laughs> very keen this time around. It looked great, but, you know, there's always a balance when it comes to wargaming accessories and terrain and things, especially for sort of the mass combat games, where I feel you've got to balance like the practicality of gaming on it versus the looks. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And there's, there's a sweet spot to be found there. And I don't know if I found it perfectly, but, you know, trying to, trying to balance that for sure.
0: So you mentioned the ninth age there, which I want to ask you about. So in, in two thousand and nineteen, when you get back into the hobby, do you do you know the state of play with like Warhammer and Age of Sigmar and all that? I no, I didn't know anything. That would say so
1: yeah, I started to mention that earlier. Yeah, I was I was again like I think you've had guests on before and I, and and maybe yourself, and it was like, well, what's happening here? This is crazy, because yeah. like, it was that thing of like, well. But I mean, to be fair, as soon as I discovered that, I thought, well, actually, this is a bit of a blessing in disguise. Because as I as I mentioned earlier, when I got back into like, well, I'm a fancy about, I know people, a lot of people really like the sixth edition. But when I when you delve deep, they say, oh no, it was the start of sixth edition where I really enjoyed the rules. And I got in right at the end of it. And to be honest, I thought it was still a complete mess (laughs) and and the start of seventh i thought well actually they're going to fix all these problems that i found with the rules and things and and no they didn't they just made more problems and i was sort of like this is what kind of disappointed me at the time because i after being away for so long even the first time around i thought you know all these games are going to be improved they're going to be perfect now like games Workshop's got loads of money now it's going to be huge and and i was really kind of yeah the production values and things were still there in in the artwork and the background and lore and everything was fantastic but but the actual the actual rules still left me really wanting and so even back then in sort of 2005 I'd been searching around for like different game systems um and I played a lot of this system called um it's actually Armies of Arcana um it doesn't exist anymore so you can just about find a few things about it on the internet but it's really hard to find so that that didn't last unfortunately when i looked back in 2019 i was like well, what's happened to warhammer what's happened to armies of arcana and they'd both gone so i was like okay uh right i guess uh, i'll start researching this so um I actually i actually kind of yeah because i'm because i'm a proper geek and a proper nerd <laughs> as we all are a bit in this hobby um i i kind of sat down and did tons and tons of research and i, I wrote a big um article on my blog for it and i still add to it now because it's kind of, in my own i kind of comment on my own articles because it's as much as a reference for me is like really that's kind of often why i write things it's kind of like i want to have a reference that i can look back to um and I, and I went through tons and tons of games so i looked at sort of age of sigma and um and, and i discovered the ninth age discovered kings of war and i was like okay well actually which of these systems kind of grabs me, and 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 I wasn't too sure at the time, but I, I kind of read more and more about them, um, and also like um, I know you've had previous guests on that there it, it was they talked about you know playing old editions of Warhammer, like and maybe doing custom rule sets and things like that. There's one I came across, this Warhammer Armies project as well, which was one like that. Um, so I read a lot of their rules. Um, yeah, I just I just tried out. I just looked around everything, basically. And I, I kind of basically decided the two that grabbed me the most um, were kind of Kings of War and um, and the Ninth Age, basically, because they fit my... Basically, the mass battle thing. That was kind of what I was going for. I was like, well, I want a mass fantasy battle. I know the systems like Age of Sigma, but they're more kind of skirmish-based round bases. I wasn't... They didn't really appeal, and they didn't really suit my model collection anyway. So it'd be like, okay, I have to reinvest in old you know whole new models same with things like war master um the, you know the smaller scale battles although mm. you can adapt them um because all my models are sort of 25 28 mil scale i was you know looking ideally for a rule set that suited so it's kind of the miniature i guess it's the miniatures first and then looking for the rules that fit that um and i got really got into the painting so nearly all the 29 i was like well i don't i know what i don't want to do it's like get into the gaming and forget about the modelling and the painting because that's kind of why why I'm here. So I decided, right? Well, I'm going to paint like mostly. So most of the most of like 2019, I just spent the entire time painting and reading rules, but not actually trying to get any games in. I had I had a couple of small games of. Um, uh, I played a, like a tiny demo game of Kings of War with a friend, and we didn't really know what we were doing because we were both new to it. And I played like a couple of the. There was a small scale variant of Ninth Age, which I'll talk more about later, hopefully. Um, and I played a couple of games of that, and we kind of, oh, it's actually kind of fun, actually. Um, but I didn't really get too much into the gaming side. And then I was already, and I got an entire army painted, and I was ready to rock. It was, and I, I put, put all these photographs, and I was like, okay, I've got hey, this is how I do the army for Kings of War. This is how I do the army for Ninth Age, like, because I could kind of adapt it to both systems pretty well. Um, and then obviously COVID hit <laughs> and lockdown happened. So couldn't really do any gaming anymore. So I was straight back to the painting again. Um, but then I got more involved with the ninth age from a from a kind of rules writing point of view as well, actually. So yeah, so I don't
0: know. Shall I start rambling about that now or do you wanna Yeah, yeah, else? I'd be really because. I I know loosely what the ninth age is, but I'm very much a layman, Uh, so yeah, hold nothing back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I can probably go on about this quite a lot. I mean, I know one of your previous guests talked about it a little bit as well, though. So
0: um, yeah, Joe, I think mentioned that. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it was it it was accurate stuff. So basically, um, again, when I first discovered it as well, I thought, well, this is this is kind of like um, it it is essentially a fan made game, right? So and it is is very much like Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Um, it's quite clearly inspired from all of that. Um and when I first found it, I thought, well, oh, this is kind of like a, just another variant of Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So I kind of threw it in with sort of Warhammer Army's project and other things like that. Um, and I think your I think it was Joe then yeah, said that um it did it originally the it came about, there was what's called the European team tournament, I believe, ETC, um for which played Warhammer Fantasy Battle um but they used a, like a special set of tournament rules for that I think it was called Swedish comp or something like this now I have never played in any tournaments right I'm I'm not I mean hopefully I will be, will do one day it's something I'm interested in but but this isn't this isn't why I got into ninth age at all um but but this is this is the history of it and I, I again I ninth age has been running for a good few years when I when I came back into it so I'm not the you know I'm not the greatest person to explain all history about of how it came about but but I've, you know, picked things up along the way over the last few years and kind of discovered all of this. Um, yeah. So it was it was originally designed by these uh, these tournament organizers, basically. basically. Um, but then it's the more I read about it, the more I kind of got interested. Um, it had a really nice forum, which is a bit old school these days in all the kind of social media world I know. But um I mean you you can find the ninth age you can find this facebook groups and discord servers and twitter and all that there's everything like that for it these days as well but it also had a, like an old school internet forum which i find more appealing because i can kind of jump on there when i feel like it and you know you can search for
0: threads and it's just way and then it's you, a... you don't you don't suddenly see a racist uncle pop up where opinion then <laughs> on oh, <and it's> <laughs> yeah of i mean you, I mean, like all internet
1: forums, there's there's trolling and arguments and, you know, all that kind of thing goes on. Of course it does. But uh, it's easy to pick in and read the bits you find interesting. Whereas I feel like the social media idea, like this, just this gigantic feed, like you say, of everything all in one place uh, doesn't appeal to me. I like, mm-hmm. again, it's to kind of manage my time. I can dip into that forum and chat and read about Ninth Age when I wanted to. And it, that really helped me get into it because at the time I was looking at Kings of War as well, but that didn't have anything that it does now thankfully some some kings of war fans actually started up a forum, so I, I, I did join in on that as well but it's still not very active unfortunately because i think they, because they'd shut down i think manta had shut down all their forums or something and, and gw had as well and i kind of understand from a commercial point of view it must be very difficult to manage this kind of thing yeah with, with, the, with the racist
0: uncles and yeah yeah <laughs> um, if they move on to the forums i back on there but I mean, there's there's
1: a there's a moderation team on the Ninth page forum, and uh, yeah, those guys ever have, have their work cut out for them at, when things get when the, the shit hits the fan, so to speak, <laughs> and people start causing trouble. But most of the time, it's I, I find it really enjoyable, as I say, and that that actually appealed to me. And it was, you know, I could go on and ask questions, uh, and you know, to, chat to people, and, and and get get replies like really, really quickly. Um, so like whenever I had a rules query, it was literally like within hours someone was there answering my stuff on this forum and I was like, this is fantastic. So like I said, I was played a few demo games um of the small scale games, and I just thought, you know what, like this is what's so what because it's because it's this community made game, right? Um, I think that's what makes it kind of unique. So even though you can argue, yeah, it's similar to other Warhammer Fantasy Battles adaptations, um, I think this community made, fan made thing, like really stands out for me. Um, I mean I'm not I would say like even some of the rules I've as I said to in the past I'd not been a huge fan of Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Um from a rules point of view, even though I enjoyed the aesthetic and style of the game, like I got very frustrated with some of the some of the problems it had as a game. Um Ninth Age isn't perfect for me in terms of the rules, but I th- and it's not going to be the perfect game for everybody. Like I think there's a there's a heck of a lot of taste involved in that, of course. Uh, and I know that like you prefer like the smaller scale games, for example. So yeah, it, yeah. If you play like the so that it's got a number of rule sets now though. So the full game was, is technically called the Ninth Age Fantasy Battles. That's its full title, um, and that was their only game for a long time, really. So that's why people kind of just talk about the ninth age they kind of mean that, but it does actually have a bunch of smaller scale rule systems now as well, so just just to be aware again, I'll talk more about those later, but yeah, um yeah i got I just yeah, that community thing was was a big part of what got me interested in it um and then even to the point where people then asked me like, "Oh, do you want to help out on these things so like I got involved actually. Basically, being part of the team that makes the Ninth Age. Um, just because I was talking on the forum and people were saying, oh, well, you know, that. Uh, so, I, for example, like they've one of the really cool things on their forum um, is their miniatures library. So, and I see, <laughs> I actually see it get referenced on other places that are nothing to do with the Ninth Age because it's such a good repository of like models, basically. Um, so, you, you do have to know the Ninth Age factions. Um, they're all kind of. Obviously, you have got things like orcs, which are pretty easy. Some of them have been everything for legal reasons, even though some of it's quite clearly based from old Warhammer factions. Um, obviously, legal reasons they have to change everything. So that's one of. The I didn't big...
0: know that. I didn't know that. But I, I mean, I know, I know, I know the law. Well, I don't know the law. I know the law roughly, but it's... I didn't realise that they were going that far as to yeah um, so
1: so the ninth age so they despite the name of it which i'm not keen on by the way. Well, as it's unfortunate it obviously it alludes to the fact that warhammer 8th edition was the last one and they then they stopped it so the ninth age i mean but it has now been built into the background so there is the reason why within the background it's called the ninth age because in this fantasy world it's been through eight previous ages and you can read the history of those ages and things like that so there is an in-world explanation for, <laughs> for we, we the the revisionism here yeah <laughs> (laughs) yeah maybe maybe that wasn't the original reason why but that's technically the reason why now but no because i'm not part of the legal team but honestly so the ninth age has so many people in the community involved with it it's literally hundreds and hundreds of people who help out and do their own little pieces and there are some legal experts who help them um and because they want this this community-based war game to be an ongoing thing they don't want GW to be able to come along and just go, yes, yeah, decent and desist, down you go, mm-hmm. right? So they want it to be, you know, be able to survive. And that's always been one of their things they've been keen on. So I think from the outset, they, they will, it wasn't probably had a lot more Warhammer terminology and things like that when it, the, the older versions, but these days you won't find anything that GW can copyright basically anywhere on a nine page thing. Um, and, we, and with good reason, because we know what they can be like, um, Whereas I think some of these other fan-made systems, um, I'd be very nervous because, <laughs> yeah, I mean you you can download them all, and obviously you've got your own copies. But if you were trying to run tournaments and you know just distribute things and have a website and things like that, if GW want to shut down some of these ga- games, there's no doubt they could from a legal perspective. Whereas the Ninth Age is pretty safe from that. None of this is for profit, right? This is the other crazy thing, right? Everything is free, like. There are things you can buy to do with the ninth age like some of the online games and things like that like digital things but generally speaking like all the rules everything is absolutely free and it always will be there's it's a not-for-profit thing which is again that's another key difference right the motivations behind this system like i know you had you've had some really cool game designers on your podcast and honestly i was fascinated by the what they had to say and I feel like a bit fake here because I'm like, you've got all these, like, you've got all these, uh, these, these true game designers, and I feel like a bit of an imposter here, like, fake, fake, fake game designer or something, because just because I help out with this thing, and and I'm only a very small piece of helping out with Ninth Age, um, uh, but, but still, like, um, there's still the motivation is a bit different. Now, I know that these guys are obviously doing it for the love of it, but, like, as soon as these things become commercial entities, and you see this a lot with, like, the development of Games Workshop, like, the old games, old, old, old systems, I know people were saying like the the level of creativity and things like that was different. Whereas now they have to create, you know, they has got to change the names of everything so they can copyright things. And it just I don't know. There's something about the 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 fan-made, community-made, not-for-profit ethos that just really appeals to me about the Ninth Age and the and the way they're trying to make it an ongoing thing that can't get shut down easily and can carry on. It's sort of like Light like Games Workshop killed off Warhammer, right and uh, and we know they're bringing it back now with some form with like Warhammer well, the old world but like who's to who's to know how long that will last right <laughs> like, they could bring out a couple of sets of miniatures and then decide oh we're not making enough money and they're just they're just going to kill it off again or let it slowly die out whereas something like the ninth page as long as people are interested in playing it then it's not going to go anywhere. Right. It's Mm -hmm. uh, the same problem with other, games. not just, it's not a pop up games workshop. Like it's just, that's the nature of commercial entities. It's like the same problem I'd have now with, with, I was telling a game I used to play called Armies of Arcana. If I wanted to get friends into that game system now, it's like, uh, well, you can't actually buy the books anywhere anymore. So (laughs) what are we going to do? Um, and yeah, I know there's obviously digital copies and things like that. These days is, is a bit easier. What the cool thing with the Ninth Age is, you know, as long as they've got enough money to keep a website up and running um, and enough people interested, then it's never going to go anywhere. Um, And it keeps getting updated. So, yeah. So the the other things that um, I really liked about it, though, um, it's two things, really. It's it's the the effort that they put into the balancing of the game and also the effort they put into making the rules clear and and precise and a lot like a high level of clarity. And a lot of that comes from its legacy as a tournament game, right? Um, well, I think so, anyway. Um, but I think so, and I know this is a criticism that gets levelled at the Ninth Age for people that that maybe have tried it out or whatever, and they say, "Oh, well, it's just a just a tournament game. Like, I'm not interested in tournaments, so you know, I don't care about all those, all that kind of stuff, right?" But but I think there's some really good reasons. And again, I've not I've never played as well, kind of am now actually playing a small, like, digital online tournament of it right now. It's my first ever tournament match, I guess, was earlier this week. But it was only on, like, a small scale thing on Tabletop Simulator. So it's not, I don't think it really counts. <laughs> certainly not serious or anything. I haven't spent any money and traveled and all that kind of thing that people do for these big tournaments. Um, but I think it really matters to more than you might realize. It's certainly someone like me, where I'm interested in playing it as a competitive game sure but i'm also interested in other aspects of it and i think so i'm going to quote uh we've talked about this before the podcast there was there's a there's a guy called dan thomas who also works on the ninth age and he's in a much more important roles than i have and i think he's been on the rules team and the balance team of the actual main fantasy battles game so he's been heavily involved in it in the past um and he's also a tournament gamer and he and he coined a couple of things like a couple of phrases about why the ninth age appealed to him And there's often this scene as this kind of like hardcore tournament gamer versus casual players. And that's like the divide that people talk about. And he said, no, that's not, I don't think that actually fits how people are. He he claimed a couple of things. One, he thinks there's like two kinds of hobbyists. There's the slow hobbyist and the fast hobbyist, right? Um, And he also claimed, and he's not got a good term for this yet. So maybe we can figure something out on this podcast if you've got any good ideas. He also there's there's a there's a concept of kind of generalized fair play, right? And and the ninth age is really good for that that generalized fair play thing, and it's also really good for a slow hobbyist, right? So I guess I should explain what those things what I mean by these a bit more, yeah. Yeah, sure. I I'd love to dive into that a wee bit more. Yeah. So I I think I am very much a classic slow hobbyist, right? So. so the way he described it was like this: is someone who wants to collect a faction in a game over years and years. And I've been collecting I, my main I, my main models. I collect his orcs and goblins, fantasy orcs and goblins. And I've been collecting them since I was a pelt, since I was a teenager, <laughs> and I'm still going now. It's like it's just, I've got like nearly thirty years worth of miniatures, right? Some of these, some of these guys. And that if that isn't a slow hobbyist, I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> and it's the thing. It's like you you don't just want to you know you want to collect that faction, and you, and you want to explore like the different armies you can play with them and you want to and you want it to be you want all the things to be viable whereas like the fa- it's when you talk about obviously most war games have a concept of list building right where you can choose what kind of army you want to take to a battle um whereas like a fast hobbyist is like they want to build like the latest best list and they're happy to buy new models change everything it's almost like you get it in like a hobby, like Magic: The Gathering, as well. Where it's like you know you're always kind of searching for that best new deck, right? The best new cards, and it's a very similar model. And actually, I've noticed with like, Games Workshop games, they've even got these kind of hybrid card, miniature games now as well. I'm not I'm not familiar with any of them. I'm not played any of them, but I saw actually this, and that seems to be the obviously that makes a lot of money, right? As well, these this fast hobbying style is great for companies because it's constantly like here's you've got to buy the latest greatest new thing to keep up with the the meta game and all that kind of stuff right whereas a system like the ninth age because their only goal is to be balanced right they they don't have to like create a new unit that's good like that and some new they don't create any models at all like companies make models that support the ninth age for sure but the Ninth Age itself is just—they just make the rules and the factions. So their their goal is just to make everything as good a game as possible and to make it as balanced as possible. So there's no commercial motivation to try and make it into a fast hobby, right? It, it, for someone who wants to just play, like I just—and you see this actually with the Orcs and Goblins like faction in Ninth Age. The amount of variety I've seen in lists and, and units, like there isn't, I don't think there's there's maybe one or two units I've not seen on on a table on a on a tournament list as well. This isn't even just this isn't even for casual, like for fun games. This is like people trying to win <laughs> at tournaments, and you still see almost everything used. There's like a couple of options, like like niche equipment options. It's like, yeah, well, okay, you don't really see those. I've not seen them. But almost everything at some point over the last couple of years since I've been following it. I've I've seen someone use and it's like, that's so cool. Um, and even games like Kings of War, which have got pretty good, they seem to make a good effort at balancing things, like a lot better than I'm used to from say, Games Workshop. Um, it's still not even close, right? When I compare the, the kind, of, and I think this again, it comes down to the motivation, right? Because whereas Mantic do try and make a balanced game for sure, They've still need. They've got this commercial cycle, and they still need to release new books. Um, and it's very hard. Like once you put books into print as well, um, they can't. They could. They do. I know they do. Kind of. They do a patch update essentially once a year, um, and they try and fix things. But what I've seen from the last two patches has really disappointed me again with Kings of War, because I know there's units that like are completely not. They're just not good. (laughs) They're just not like you can just about use them. I'm not thinking anything's useless, but it's like if you were trying to build a good list, you'd never ever pick them. And no one ever does. And you look at any tournament, like you see, you never see. And it's like kind of half the faction at times. It's a lot of stuff. And it's like the Orcs list, for example, there's a ton of units you just never ever see anyone play with in Kings of War. And they haven't managed to fix that in the two patches for two years now. Whereas Ninth Age do a similar thing, but they, they they do patches every year where they change, you know, adjust points and things like that. But the amount of effort they they put into that is insane. Like they have sort of um they collect they try and collect data from all the tournaments and things like that that people run for the for the Ninth Age. Um and anyone can input as well. anyone again, they've got this forum you can go on obviously you probably if you're going to just complain and whine you do see a lot of that that's the downside <laughs> some people look at that as a kind of cart you know right? here's a you know red red flag to a bull or something and they just go charging in and complain about everything but you know the more the more level headed gamers can see that there's a good things going on here um so again although this is great for a tournament right i think this is also good for someone like me who just wants to play orcs and goblins and they're happy to collect them and I don't need to go out and buy new models necessarily, like I can if I want to, but it's more about you know adjusting things slowly over time. And that's the way the rules work. And that's again the mot- it comes down to this motivation thing. So yeah, fast hobby is again the opposite of that. The other thing with the kind of generalized fair play, I think a way to look at that is if um and this is what happened when I last got into the hobby as well. Like I, I thought, okay, I've read the Warhammer rules, right? I'm gonna I found a gaming club in in the city where I live. And uh, I'll go to that club and I'll, I'll try and play a game. Um, and but very quickly I discovered there was tons of like rules issues and interpret like they, they this club had like, Oh, well this is how we, we interpret this rule. And I was like, Oh, right. Oh, I didn't realize that. Like I read it completely differently. And obviously GW games, maybe they're better now, but they, they never really tried to fix these things. Sometimes they did FAQs and things like that, but they never, the rules never really got changed and they never really got fixed. And, I just constantly run into these problems all the time and I'm um you could argue yeah people say oh, you're taking it too seriously or whatever it was like I wasn't this wasn't like trying about win the game it would just be like okay I I could sometimes see it like I'd be playing a game and I'd like okay in a few turns ahead right this is going to happen and I don't know how you interpret that and I'm like can you and I sort of, can you just tell me how how you want to play this rule and I'm like okay cool like it wasn't you know wasn't kind of arguing but it was just frustrating that this that all these kind of i call them bugs right so I, i'm actually a software tester by trade right that's my day job and um i always i kind of think of these rule systems maybe like a piece of software as well like a like a video game if you like and to me these when these things happen it's like if that happened in a video game right that game would crash <laughs> like this would be a bug like like and it frustrates me when these things happen. And I really like a game system that try at least tries to clean them up. Like, it's it's very, very hard. And obviously, you're always going to get things with physical games, right? You're going to have things like, oh, well, what do we do about cock dice? And, you know, when we've got some terrain that doesn't exactly match the rule system and how how are we are going to deal with that? Like, I've got a, a pet thing with, like, hills and, like... units and it's like okay well units just like just clipped millimeter onto the hill is it on top of the hill or not and you know little things that you have to you know that those are kind of you know gentlemen's agreements or whatever and you can easily sort those kind of physical aspects of the game out but but when the actual rules don't tell you what to do it's yeah it frustrates me and um but again if you're playing with your friends and obviously or you play at a club regularly or whatever like you can easily resolve these things right um and I know a lot of the games that are more, say, sandbox games. Like um, I know you've, I know you've uh, done a, a list of things of like some of the more cool games you can play um, for like small scale skirmish ones, things like that. And even things like, I guess things like Frostgrave, you Northmark, know, things like that. They're still more geared to that kind of sandbox style, which is kind of like, okay, well, yeah, maybe these rules aren't, aren't maybe they're like ninety percent or ninety five percent or whatever, but you can, you know, you, you sort out that 5% of doubts with your friends and it's all cool, right? But, but the problem I have is when, when you go and play a stranger, you always have to then resolve all this stuff. And it's kind of frustrating to me. And that's what, we, we don't have a word for this, but like, say Dan, Dan came up with this phrase of kind of like generalized fair play. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a loaded thing. And we can't we kind of think of how a great, like nice little headline to describe that, what I'm talking about here. Um, but, but it's something that I I really like in a game where I know you can go to a tournament or go to just your friend's house and we don't have to have a discussion about the rules. We don't have to have a discussion about, well, I know there's a concept in other games a like, lot. Oh, do we play like fluffy lists? Like, do we play like like the strongest lists or whatever? And again, none of that, like it's the goal of Ninth Age that where none of that stuff should matter. Like everything should be pretty fair and pretty fun. And so again, Although it's sort of, yeah, you could say, well, that doesn't matter to me. I'm not playing in a tournament, but I'm like, yeah, but there's such big advantages to that, to, to, even for a casual game with just just your friend, right? And if you want to add in, the thing is as well, the whole world no, but I want to create my own little crazy rules that I want to play with my friends. It's like, well, you can still do that, right? <laughs> nothing stopping you taking the ninth age rules and going, well, I don't like this rule, so we're going to change that. And, and in fact, that's a huge part of the forums as well. There's There's a massive homebrew section where like fans of the game like adapt the rules create you know new armies like all kinds of stuff right um yeah so that's that's just something that appeals to me about ninth edge basically and i don't know if that hope that makes sense
0: (laughs) yeah it's a lot clearer now about it um a couple of things i just wanted to pick up on i suppose um is there any issues with like design by committee with the ninth age? Cause if there's a lot of people involved, you can, you know, there's an argument that it can become chaotic. So how do they, how do they mitigate that? It can
1: be, well, it tends to be like basically kind of delegate. So there's, there's a, the way it works is the original mysterious founders of the ninth age. Well, I don't know who they are, but they're technically at the top of the tree, but I don't think a lot of them are that heavily involved in it these days. Um, They have like an executive board. Um, and you got you've then got like various sort of design teams and specialist teams. So, for example, when they're building, so all the factions, right? They kind of had a what they call the slim books. So every faction has its like basic book, right, for the Ninth Age, which is basically rules only. Um, and over the over the last few years, and they're doing they're pumping these out like a multiple a year now. They're they're actually redoing those army books to make them more unique for the Ninth Age. So they're gradually moving a little bit away from the kind of legacy games, right? Um, and they're also adding in all their own background, more of their own art, like all these other things. So that's another criticism. People go, oh, there's you know, Ninth Age is just a rule set. Not so much anymore. It's gradually improving, right? There's, there's all kind of law being written. There's a whole background team. So again, it's basically it's delegation, right? But you are correct. Like there are issues for sure. Um, I was going to say one of the cool things I got I got basically invited to join in cuz they were like well you seem to know what you're doing like do you want to help out with this so I was like yeah great fantastic cuz I was complaining about say so, so there was a, there was um th- in the smaller games they had um they had a game system called the Quick Starter which was like a small scale variant of the Ninth Age Fantasy Battles um, and it was basically just a few units um, and smaller units, right? Um, and I played a few demo games of that back in 2019 when, when I was able to. And I found a few things. I was like, well, these rules, they, they were, to be fair, the rules weren't finished, right? They were only kind of a beta test idea. And I was like, well, uh, like the, some of these rules are good, but some of these I'm like, I'm not too sure about this. And maybe this army seems a bit unfair or whatever. This unit seems a bit too good. and And I was kind of raising these points on the forum. And I was expecting, you know, someone to go, "Oh, shut up, <laughs> shut up, Rick! You don't know what you're talking about." Uh, actually, no, I got the opposite response. Was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point." And uh, yeah, and and then and then a few sort of carried on discussing it. And they were like, "Would would you like to help out, fix these, and and help us finish these rules?" And I was like, "Yeah, wow, why not? <laughs> like, what do I? What, how do I? How do I start? Like, what, what can I do?" And because I'm I'm not great at kind of the. I guess the publishing and layout and all this stuff, because they obviously you've got to publish things in PDFs and, and that side of it's a bit of a I'm learning a bit there, but it's a bit of a new concept to me. Whereas the actual understanding and writing and you know deciding what the words are on the page <laughs> of the actual rules the and the numbers and things for the stats, that was like, all right, this is really interesting to me. I could do that. It's something I'd always done. Again, going back to my history, I'd always kind of made up house rules and things like that. Like like a, like your other guests have said, you know. Everyone might've played some fantasy battle style game, but they probably changed it a bit uh, and made up their own rules. Um, whereas this is like, I could do that, but actually I'm now helping write them for other people as well. So it's just way, way, yeah. Like it's it's more fun for me to do that. But but as I say, coming back to your question, I'm sorry, I've gone on a big tangent, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, certainly like there are issues with the bit of design by committee stuff, but generally speaking, if, the teams I've worked on have been small enough, and we can generally like we don't all agree within the team, but you know we 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 hash it out and we come to kind of this is the way we're going to go with it, and you know as long as everyone in the team sensible and you know I hope hopefully I am <laughs> like there's been there's been things in, in in doing so I've been helping um do the new design for this small scale version of the of the ninth age and we didn't like the quick starter name because it sounded a bit like oh this is only for newbies. Um, so we, we came up with, we did like a contest on the forum and, you know, voting and all that. And we had a bunch of names and we kind of narrowed it down. And we, we agreed that the coolest name we could come up with that everyone kind of liked was called Essence of War. Just sound a little bit like Kings of War. That's the only problem, but... that was, was like that's an a cool, case. That's, Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: very bad smelling aftershave i imagine yeah S4. i'm not sure i wear from, that yeah that for the bad uncle at christmas that sounds,
1: that sounds like it's filled with testosterone doesn't it <laughs> 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 is it whiskey and and uh <laughs> what is in it? but yeah is a, yeah but well so it, it, it's it's called that i still i still think it's quite a cool name it's, it's a little bit more evocative than just quick starter anyway for sure um and, uh, yeah, we we use that's that's the so we've been redesigning that, and there has been things where I've gone, well, I think we should do it this way. I don't think we should make this change or whatever, and I've kind of been overruled, and I've gone fine, that's that's cool. But then you find out when you start playing it and play testing it, you actually actually you know what I was wrong. Like this was a good idea. And so I think, as long as you're working within a sensible team who all can kind of agree to disagree and move forward, um which has certainly been my experience with the people I've worked with on. My bits of the ninth age is only a very small piece of the pie, right? Uh, it's not really been a problem, but you do have you do have this hierarchy, right? So if things need to get resolved and you can't resolve them, there's kind of up and up and up. There's like various teams you can get involved. I mean, they even have like a human resources team, which is like trying to help out, you know, if someone's getting too stressed out with something on the forum and things like that, or you need a break, or we need to try and get some more people involved. There's, there's so much stuff. I mean, like, I mean, I'll just... I'll, made a little short list of things it's like people there's t- so many teams on the ninth page that, that people can get involved with if they want to i know everyone wants to jump in and do the rules and the balancing but that's that tends to be quite hard to get into because you kind of got to prove your prove your chops a little bit because there's obviously been people working on this since like the end of well, one fancy battle. was when this all started so some of these people are very experienced been working on it for years so if you if you like a completely come in as a new person, they're not necessarily going to listen to you, right? Um, but like, there's teams for like artwork. There's teams for like the design. There's obviously people making the homebrew homebrew kind of systems, like I said. There's people working on the background lore. That like, um, and then there's people who are admins on the forum. People who I also help out trying to find new cool miniatures, like so that for those miniature libraries I mentioned before on on the forum. Um, and that's really. That's why I do keep up with all the Kickstarters and things as well, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of part of my job now, if you like. Not not my paid job, but my Poison chalice. For- my job for the ninth age, but I only look at orcs and goblins. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, just Orcs and goblins. I'll do that. Um, and then there's people who will help out on the social media. They say there's the essence of war team, which I'm a part of. There's people who do the play testing, like people who do the balancing, like the data entry, like rules, clarity, proofreading, all the publishing stuff to do with the, you know, making a PDF file and things like that. Um, and they say, there is this hierarchy that you do have to work within. Um, it's certainly not going to suit everyone. Like it, I know a lot of the kind of, I guess, it's like, I guess a lot of the game designers that you've had on your podcast, for example, they really want to do their own thing, right? And if you want to have control of everything and be able to do it exactly how you want it, then yeah, you're not necessarily going to enjoy working on something like this. You do have to understand that you have to join in and be part of a team um, and work with the existing, you know, teams that are there as well. Um, So I think that. It probably doesn't suit everyone. Uh, you definitely need to have a, some communication skills, I would say, because especially written, because a lot of this is taking place over the internet. Um, I mean, like on my, we do try and have a, like voice conversations like that at times within the teams I work on, but it's definitely more of a written thing. So it's not going to suit everyone for sure. Um, but if you if you can if you can work within that, then there's definitely so many interesting things, and I just yeah, it just. It really became almost, I realized it's like, this has become part of my hobby. It's like, it's it's almost like a work. It's like, but again, it's, but it's fun work, right? Like you you make this podcast, right? I mean, that's become, I guess, part of your hobby, right? As well. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. And it,
1: and it, it kind of becomes a positive feedback loop. I feel like the more, it is that, it is one of those classic, you know, it's a cliche, but it's like the more you get, the more you put in, the more you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, And I feel that a lot with the Ninth Age community as well. Um, so, again, as I said earlier, rules wise, it's not going to appeal to everyone. I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to give you a sale. I mean, there's nothing to sell, it's all free. <laughs> this is no sales pitch needed, right? It's there for Just anyone. It's just aftershave, but apart from that, apart from when yeah, when we make our uh, Ninth Age branded aftershave, then we'll have something to sell, right? But now they, they would so so third party companies could come along and make that with all, with all, all joking aside, right? They they're happy for third party companies can use the Ninth Age thing, like you were allowed to put on like compatible with the Ninth Age, and they, they they've got various things and they will help you somewhat with marketing. So so like on actually one of the teams I got involved with as well is the Twitter team for Ninth Age. So one of the things I try to encourage. So there's a bunch of companies that have basically said, "Yeah, we support this system, and we, you know, our models are suitable for the system." Um, and to try and kind of work with them as well, it's like so on Twitter. You know, if those if those companies like put out tweets of here's some new models or here's a new Kickstarter we're doing, whatever. Like I try and you know publicize that on the ninth age Twitter. That's like one one of the things I do to help out with the project as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's just, so again, that's that. So, so if someone did want to come along, if any co- company out there just heard this podcast, thinks Aftershave is a great idea and they want to make <laughs> Ninth Age branded Aftershave, they could do it and they'd be allowed to put a logo on it, but they wouldn't, it wouldn't be part of the Ninth Age project, right? Because the whole point of this project is it's not for profit. And even the money they do have, like to, they have, they do like a kind of donations thing to just just for kind of keep the websites running and things like that. So there's obviously a bit of cost involved there. So that, but that's all just done by voluntary donations. Um, so yeah, that, whereas like the third party companies can, can set up whatever they want and obviously they, they could be profit-making as they, as they would be. Right. Um, but yeah. There's this, yeah. But as I say, it's, it's, just that kind of thing. The more I got involved, the more I found I was getting out of it and actually like searching the models. And it honestly, that was another thing coming back to the hobby, like after a few years away, it absolutely blew my mind. The amount of different miniatures that were out there because I was kind of like, oh, no, uh, Games Workshop don't produce half the models I want anymore. That kind of sucks. So I was like, well, I had all these, like, I'd had like half-built Orc units from like decades earlier. And I was like, oh, I can't get the models to finish these off now. But actually, it doesn't matter because there's hundreds of other ones that like, and there's so many cool stuff. Um, And one of the things that, and also, see, I know you've talked a little bit about 3D printing um, on your previous podcast as well. And I think that that's like with a with a with some commercial systems, because the money is tied up in the miniatures, right? That's of concern. <laughs> like I don't know what Games Workshop's future plans are. They're obviously gonna have some kind of business plan for this eventuality because I think over the next ten, twenty years, like it's just gonna become bigger and bigger, right? 3D printing. Um I mean, it's a whole massive discussion there, so I shouldn't really start this as we're coming to the, coming to the end of this podcast, for sure. But like, yeah. Yeah,
0: Ro- Roby uh, Jenkins, who's a guest on Precinct Amiga, he does a good podcast um, and he talks about this a lot. Um, he's got some, some really good takes on it. Um, not some I know a lot about, but uh, he spoke about it in some depth, uh, you know, pertaining to how Games Workshop will handle this. Um and the 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 predictions he makes aren't entirely bleak for them. It's, but it's it's very interesting. Hi, um, he knows his yeah. stuff.
1: Well, but the, the good thing for a system like the Ninth Age, because the rules part of it is not for profit it's like the more models the better basically mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and and actually this 3d printing has enabled like i think it's got some people back into it because it's it's can be a lot cheaper potentially depending on how if you've got all this space and money <laughs> to get the 3d printer which i don't really have the space for 3d printer realistically so it's a shame for me but some of my friends do and i've also said i've found some companies you can sort of send the files to and they can print them for you fairly Pretty good prices, actually, as well. So so there's all of that. And I know that's been an issue with some of these mass battle games, as the prices of miniatures have got higher and higher over the years. Um, this is kind of a bit of a nice reset for that, I suppose. Um, might actually end up miniatures getting cheaper <laughs> more expensive all the time. So then it becomes a bit more practical to collect a big army. Um, but again, there are variants for the Ninth Age that aren't, don't need a gigantic army. So, so I said there's Essence of War, which I've been helping out with. But there are some other skirmish rules as well. There's, some, there's a couple of like kind of spin-off scenario skirmish games at the moment that are published. But I know there's more in the works um, that, that hopefully will come out over some time. I mean, the other thing with the design by commit, it can be a bit slow, right? This is, this is the thing with the Ninth Age, right? Work on it. Although you know, because it's volunteers, right? No, no one's getting paid. No one's, no one's got this as a job. So, it, you can you can find you're working in a team, and then someone just needs a break for a few weeks or whatever, and, and it's like, well, we can't, we can't really progress this because we need this guy. And it's there's, there's a lot of that that happens for sure. Um, but You just have to take that into account. And again, if if you're a slow hobbyer like me, and you're like, well, I'm planned to be playing this for decades, really. Like, I, I'm, I'm not in any big rush <laughs> like mean, it it, sure it can get frustrating when you know I, I i get it from like i like i'm pushing to publish things and i'm like i want to get this finished and it's like oh but we need this guy on the layout team to help out with this and we need someone from like you know this happens a lot with some of the books that i'm not involved with but you know they, they need some artwork or something like that so they're kind of waiting for that um and you can't really like well get it done because everyone's a volunteer right so there is that for sure um
0: so we're creeping up on our hour here. I've got we to put are, a young yeah. lady to bed quite soon. Yes. Uh, just in closing. So I see your cat there. Who's your cat?
1: Oh, this is it's actually a foster cat. She's only been here a couple of days. This is Misty.
0: Misty. So, so yeah, we're just I, looking
1: after her for the next next few weeks, I guess. We'll see.
0: So on on the last episode with Garth James, uh, I asked him, we we're talking about old hammer and bring out your own lead. Uh, bring out your own lead. I don't know why I call it that. Bring out your lead. Bring it your own lead led. if you want as well. But I asked um uh, if you could um, pick a pet from the Warhammer Old World. What what creature would you have as a pet? Pick a pet. Oh my goodness. I mean, I mean, obviously, well, cats are my favourite
1: pets in real life. But you have to pick something cool in fantasy, I guess. I mean, I mean, everyone wants a pet dragon, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> quite da- maybe be... quite dangerous. It might be hard
1: to look after that. I don't know. Maybe something more practical. Keep a giant eagle in your
0: backyard or something. I don't
1: know. <laughs>
0: <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah, some big dangerous choices there. I mean, for me, yeah. got to be something like a, a snotlin or that, you know, small and um, maybe so in run the night, some in the, errands.
1: In the, in the uh, non-IP... Infringement of the ninth age—they're called grotlings, I think, if I remember grotlings. correctly. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something that frustrates people, but I mean, I'm like, yeah, but logically, you've got to change it. It's the same in Kings of War as well. What they call—they've got a name, orklings in Kings of War. Yeah. So I've got I've got like three names in my head at least for just about everything right now. One thing I can't remember is the age of Sigma names. They just—I'm like—I'm totally confused when people use them. Like, I don't know what you're talking.
0: Golden about. space marines. <laughs> Golden space
1: marines but It's like like, oryx, not orcs, and things like that, and it's just, it's just so they can they
0: can uh, trademark
1: everything, basically, so Yeah, so you, I, ju- yeah. I,
0: I don't like it I, 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 I didn't have an opinion on it until quite recently and I kept looking at it more, and I'm like I just don't like that, I don't like the aesthetic I don't like the the, the universe is really confusing I don't know what the fuck's going on there, like um so yeah i have no time for it
1: no time for it at all i mean it's, it's i'm not yeah i know i'll knock it because you know i like to be positive and you know I, i've been to a gaming club and seen seems people playing it and stuff and but yeah I, it's just not for me let's let's put it that way <laughs> that's the way I, uh, yeah for sure like aesthetically as well like some of the new models uh, i mean nah. most of them are still the, the old models actually just repackaged I, mm-hmm. just, I just sometimes still i like i still bought some of that i mean the iron orcs in kings of War. sorry <laughs> iron orcs in the uh, ninth age i don't know what you'd use them for in kings of war actually but um what used to be the old black orcs and now they're called like i don't even know what they're called but i did buy a box of them and just bought a load of square bases and and like made them for an iron orc unit for the ninth age so <laughs> it was like i'm technically i'm buying age of sigma models but i'm not really they're they're just repackaged Warhammer Fantasy ones with unfortunately they don't come with the right bases anymore for me so I have to go and buy the bases separately.
0: Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer, that's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now, back to the show. Yeah, bought just before, like, I got an order in just before Covid hit Britain, so like, I don't know when that was, last March or something. So I bought um, I decided to get some Games Workshop stuff. I got the Marauders, the Chaos Marauders, which I do like, to be honest. Um and I think they do go back to to fantasy. I think they they, they used to be on Square Bases. So I got them. I got Necrons as well because I used to have a I used to have a metal necron back in the day. I think I got it free with would that have been right? But I got a free metal model with white dwarf? That doesn't seem right. Maybe it was plastic. But I had a an Necron anyway back in the day, um, right. and it was quite a good model. It looked a bit like you know Terminator Two, so I got the new, I got the modern Necrons. I hated them. Um, I thought they looked like I don't know, I don't know what I thought they looked like. Car- very cartoony, which I'm not, I'm not averse to. Like I'm into old Hammer, but and they were terrible to put together, like really bad. So I, I just sold them, <laughs> sold them straight oh, away. Wow. Made a
1: loss, but. Are you, play, are you planning to start um
0: Kill Team or something like that then? Is that no, your... I just I just genuine Just, just um, one of the models. Yeah, just wanted to to get them, build them, paint them up and that, yeah. Um but I didn't like them at all. I ended up getting to because to, I wanted some sort of like robot style stuff. So I got um Terminator Genesis. I bought them on eBay because they were quite hard to get. So literally Terminator 2 terminators um from Riverhorse, I think, um, which Ooh. is Run Trevor Horse again. Uh, is it Alessio sure. himself? Is that his company? I think that actually, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I I think it is. Um, I saw so the, the, the must have had a Terminator game. Uh, I loved Terminator 2 when I was wee, so um oh, no, no, yeah. me too. was glad Great to one. get yeah. So um I got some of those um when I got back in the hobby. Got um, got some conflict 47 miniatures too which the the aesthetic of that game is great um, sort of like weird um, World War 2 if that's the genre you would call it this, um, oh man it's
1: it's guys, it's cool there's so many games and so many systems now. Like, again, I talked about the amount of miniatures there are now, and, and it's like, it's really cool that it's not just... It's it's almost like, because it started out that way, right? There was a lot of, cost, lot of games and a lot of systems, and then it felt like it only became GW for a while. It might have just been my perception from an outsider when I wasn't in, so involved in it. But now, like, diving back in, like, reading your blog and, and the stuff you've mentioned, it's just so much stuff. And I think it's great. There's so many options for people. Although, stipping, sorry, you bring a point about getting into something and this came up as well it's like well if you, the advantage of playing a gw game is that you know you can get games of it mm-hmm. with people um I, i'd say one of the nice things about the ninth age in the uk at least I, I think it varies from country to country and region of the country for sure as well um it's it's big enough where you can generally find people playing it like i've i've all, i've found a few people in just in my city who was interested um and, and then people are already playing it but like I haven't found any events and things, but you know, I've been trying to build it up a little bit and take it to some games clubs and things like that. And I think because it has that Warhammer connection, it helps it a bit in a well in a way as well, because people can see, well, I can I can easily adapt to this if I've got some models that might have been built for another game, but you can use them in Ninth Age really easily. Yeah. Um, or even if you play I mean, I'm I, I also really interested to play Kings of War as well. That's one of my game systems I'm really keen on. and But, but I'm keeping my models sort of single-based so I can put them on trays for both mm-hmm. systems. The trouble with Kings of War is as soon as you move onto the big, like, multi-basing blocks, then you, you're kind of then stuck into playing Kings of War. So portable just right diadama. Yeah, um, oh, well, I could go on about that. <laughs> I, I won't touch that one I, again. Not my taste necessarily, but if people want to do it, it does look cool sometimes for sure. But uh, I, I kind of prefer the single models, and um, I'm a bit of a people always say my base is a goblin green, and I get very, very angry because they're not actually goblin green; they are Vallejo camo
0: green. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Good. The um, goblins are goblin green, though, for sure. So getting us wrapped up, Rick, what uh, links do you want to share with a listener where they could check out your stuff, the ninth age, etc.
1: Sure. Well, the ninth age is just at the the dash ninth dash age.com, which is a which probably depends how you spell it, and yeah, it's N-I-N-T-A, like the full words. But if you just search the ninth age in any format on um on like Google or a search engine or whatever you use, you'll find it, I'm sure. It's pretty easy to pick up, right? Uh, and the website's been through a few development now, so it's not too shabby. And then you can go to the forum if you want to delve in, or you can search for it on Facebook and things like that. Um, for my own stuff, I, I, although I'm um, my nickname online has been Remy77077 for about decades now, so that you'll find me anywhere as that name. Um, but you can, all, but also my gaming stuff. I I use the name Agoners because it's like my gaming blog. Again, I've been running that for over a decade now so i've kind of, I'm kind of stuck with it now it was a thing of me and a few friends did but now it's just me um and originally it was only about video games but i'm gradually expanding it to uh to kind of cover a bit of tabletop gaming as well because that's what i'm interested in um so i've kind of created a tabletop gaming section on my blog just just for that if you're not interested in anything else you can just filter <laughs> um on tabletop gaming and i'm on twitter under Agonas as well for my all my gaming stuff i kind of keep that separate from my my real life as it were, even though it's definitely real. <laughs> um, but you know, helps me compartmentalize or something. Um so yeah, agoners that's A G O N E R S, if you didn't guess, um for me. Ninth Age for that. Um uh, there's, I suppose there's another blog I should mention that I plan to do more work for. There's a blog called Collecting Green, which um, I help out on from time to time. And I'm actually planning a few articles in my head right now because uh, because I'm building these new goblin units, and that, that blog's all about all the goblin and orc models that are out there. Um, and yeah, I've chatted with the guy, and we, we kind of both write a bit for that sometimes. So I've, I'm planning a few articles for that, because my, my own sites, I'm like, well, they're about gaming. I don't really want to post stuff that's purely about painting or miniatures. Like, I want to have a gaming slant to it, Whereas like on the collecting green, if I want to write something that's just about painting
0: or something like that, I put it on there. Big thanks to Rick there for a great chat. Uh, Big thanks to you also for listening. Quick question for you before you shoot off. Are you enjoying the podcast so far? I'm certainly enjoying doing it, but podcasts are notoriously difficult to get any sort of feedback on. Um, If you are, then I might be so bold as to ask you for a wee favour. If you've got a minute, would you mind giving the show a rating and review on your listening app of choice? Uh, We don't actually have any yet, so that'd be really nice to see if you were willing. And uh, if your listen app doesn't have ratings and reviews, then Podchaser is a good place to leave one because it's platform agnostic. You can find the show's Podchaser page over at bedroombattlefields.com slash podchaser. That's P-O-D-C-H-A-S-E-R. Thank you very much.